This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. And Libby Hartfield is the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. The weather is warmer, and now those charming bioluminescent creatures are lighting up the night sky. No matter if you call them lightning bugs or fireflies, people are reporting seeing them around the state. So today we talk with Lynn Faust, who literally wrote the book on fireflies, glowworms, and lightning bugs. We'll talk about what's happening with these bugs this time of year. We look for your pet questions, and we want to hear your brushes with nature as well. Join our conversation this morning with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursdays, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good fine. Good morning. So, Dr. Major, how are things at the clinic? Uh, it's almost the time of year when humans start worrying about mosquitoes. Is is that a problem in our pets as well? Absolutely. Uh, of course, uh, most of our listeners are familiar with the fact that uh, mosquitoes uh, spread and carry heartworm disease. They carry the microfilaria. And in fact, uh, our, our pets, our dogs primarily, and also um, there are other diseases that they can also spread and can be quite worrisome uh, on top of that. So yes, uh, we uh, our pets certainly need to be uh, well, uh, what should I say, versed and uh, protected against mosquitoes, even though here in the South, we really need to protect them year-round. Uh, how we, would we go about doing that? Does most of, say, the protection we would give them for um, for fleas also helps with mosquitoes, or how can we kind of help uh, keep our pets mosquito-free? You know, there there are some products available that uh, can actually repel and kill mosquitoes. Uh, one of the, uh, not advertising, but one of the names is Vectra. Uh, it is effective against fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes. Uh, it does not uh, approve for preventing heartworms other than the fact that it helps to prevent uh, mosquitoes. Uh, we must uh, understand that uh, to protect our dogs from heartworms, they need to be on a monthly preventive given the same time every month or one of the products uh, such as ProHeart, which is given every six months or even every 12 months to prevent heartworms but not mosquitoes. Also, as we get more into a mosquito season, it's always a reminder for folks to make sure there's not uh, standing water around their yards anywhere. That's uh, an area that mosquitoes like to breed, so it's uh, always good to patrol your yard, make sure that you're doing your best to keep down the, the mosquito population. Again, that both for the humans in the area and the pets as well. So, Dr. Major, what, what can you tell us about the, the murder hornets? I know that's been in the news. Have, have you, do you know anything about these creatures? I'd like to see one myself, but not here in Mississippi. Uh, <laughs> I would, uh, as I collect insects and uh, uh, other other things like that. Uh, they're they're quite large, and I think they've been sensationalized to a certain extent, according to what I see. But apparently, they can be uh, quite painful, uh, like any hornet uh, can sting can be quite painful. So. Uh, We'll have to see how they they progress, but uh, as I understand, uh, 
they were prominent and are prominent in Japan. So apparently there's a link between uh, what first saw those in Washington State, I believe. Right. That's I, I read that in the news as well. Libby, uh, have you heard anything about these uh, these murderous hornets? I, I talked a little bit to Dr. Brown at Mississippi State about them. And, uh, you know, he, he um, has heard and read everything that we've read. He said just one of the things for people, I guess, not to panic when they sound like murder. It sounds like maybe they would be aggressive towards people from their name, but they're not aggressive to us. They're very aggressive to bees. And that's the big danger is that beehives are going to be threatened by them and they're pretty efficient at taking over a beehive and they raise out the baby bees and then feed those baby bees to their babies so they um it's a real weird social structure they have with bees so they're invaders but they're not after us but if um they sting us and they actually bite too i think is the deal i need to go back and read that but when they when they sting or bite you, it's pretty painful, and if you get very many of those stings or bites, it is more likely to be fatal than a regular hornet. Although you can get enough regular hornet stings to to be in really bad medical trouble yourself. So hornets are a bad thing <laughs> uh, as far as when they sting you. Anyway, you know they they have some functions in the ecosystem, of course, but. You don't want to be stung by any hornet, particularly a murder hornet. Yeah, I would like to see a cage match between the Africanized honeybees and these murder hornets and see who, who comes out on top. Uh, well, well, what I've heard is the bees don't stand a chance. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have a little brush with nature that I'd like to talk about. Uh, I didn't see a lot of creatures, but some beautiful surrounding, and that was went down uh, to South Mississippi, my friend and I, and uh, went to Red Bluff. Um, are you familiar with that, Libby? Yes, that's a beautiful place. My in-laws were from Hattiesburg, so we saw that. We went to Red Bluff, and it is a very beautiful place. So I guess the best way to describe it would be a large gorge, and so you uh, pull off the highway and and walk over there, and uh, you can basically sort of hike your way down to the bottom of the gorge. Uh, My friend and I then went and uh, hiked to the Pearl River, I got a beautiful view of the Pearl River uh, and then made our way back up the gorge uh, to the, the safety of, of the top there. It's, it was quite a, a taxing uh, hike, uh, but, you know, I'm kind of old and not in the best physical shape, but I, I survived. So I was proud of myself for that. Uh, so it's down near uh, Columbia. If uh, folks want to see sort of a unique uh, situation, it's called Mississippi's uh, Grand Canyon, I think. So I, I enjoyed that again great day of exercise and some beautiful surroundings. So I would recommend that if you're doing, looking for some outdoor activities to do uh, while, we, um, while we try to, to uh, avoid indoor gatherings. So let me, uh, and we all need to be looking for outdoor activities, yeah. Well, that's it. And so, so my friend and I, I think, are going to become, you know, not avid hikers, but we're going to look for some other hiking uh, availabilities and uh, just, you know, doing some research online. Uh, lots of opportunities to go out and hike uh, trails uh, all through the state of Mississippi. So if you're looking for ways to get some exercise, get outside and enjoy nature, uh, that's uh, something that uh, my friend and I are certainly going to take advantage of. So, uh, Libby, you've been telling us about birds uh, that you've seen, and we heard uh, heard a couple there just a few minutes ago. Uh, but we're going to be talking fireflies today. They've uh, started to uh, pop up during the night. What have, what have you? What is your latest uh, firefly report you can give us? 
Okay, well, you know, we've been having a few fireflies since March, different kinds of or lightning bugs, uh, mainly the treetop flashers. There's several species of those that are up high in the trees. But just recently, the synchronous fireflies, they're the ones that I've been the most interested in because we uh, actually didn't even know they were in the state until fairly recently. And Lynn can tell you more stories. She's really the one that brought to science the fact that they were even in North America. Nobody really accepted that for a long time. But uh, we, we're, these are fireflies. All basically, they flash in flash together when you get enough of them. And they, they fly, the males will fly between two and five feet from the ground. So when you find a colony of them, it's, it's pretty dramatic when you get very many around you. And our woods have got enough now that you can see the synchrony. And if you, if you only have a few, what you're just going to see is a low-flying firefly that, that blinks pretty fast. And it's, it's not a real bright light. It's a little bit deep. It blinks almost two times. They blink about... Um, well, really fast, pretty fast. In fact, their kind of nickname is a snappy sink because they're, they're snappy and they synchronize. But they're really fun, and we found them in several areas around Jackson and uh, gotten reports from all down in South Mississippi. They've already started. Haven't heard from any of our Oxford friends yet that they're there yet. So I imagine that will happen soon. And um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the colonies along the Natchez Trace. There's, you can see them on the Natchez Trace. And this weekend, the um, Craftsman's Guild, or the, the Crafts Guild of Mississippi, is going to be uh, allowing people to come on their property. You have to social distance and wear your mask and be careful, but you can come on their property to see fireflies right behind the craft center on the Natchez Trace. That will give you a good idea of what to look for when you go into your own woods. Uh, one of the things that is a problem for fireflies, of course, are lights at night. So don't go, if you go into the woods with a flashlight, you're not gonna see them unless you turn off the flashlight for a few minutes. So, so anyway, they're lots of fun to watch. All right, so let me, before we go to break, there's that uh, persistent bird that wants to be on the show doing that kind of do 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 What kind of bird is that? That's a Carolina wren, and I wondered, is it loud enough that I need to move in the house? <laughs> no, it's just uh, it's it's giving us a nice backdrop for, for when we talk to you. But, yeah, yeah. He, he's, uh, he or she is definitely persistent. There, I have a nest on the front porch. Okay. And the food nest right now and he is um he's singing to me it's around the corner so i can't see the nest from where i am on the porch so i thought this would be far enough away but he's just reminding me i think that he's there guarding okay and it's time for our first break of the hour when we return we'll bring our guest lynn faust into our discussion she's not a stranger to the show she's been with us before she'll talk about her book fireflies glowworms and lightning bugs and break down the species being seen this late spring so stay tuned On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. 
This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest today is Lynn Faust, author of the book Fireflies, Glowworms, and Lightning Bugs, Identification and Natural History of the Fireflies of the Eastern and Central United States and Canada. If you've seen lightning bugs in your area and have a question or maybe a pet question for Dr. Major, you can give us a call. The number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, we've got some callers to get to, but first uh, let's talk for just a minute to our guest, uh, Lynn Faust. Lynn, thanks for joining us again. Uh, Libby told us about some of the firefly activity she's seen here in Mississippi, but I understand that you're up in Tennessee. Give us a report on the activity up there. Okay. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. That's in East Tennessee. And we are behind you in Jackson, Mississippi, species-wise, meaning ours come out about three weeks after you get them in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, because you're warmer down there than we are. But we currently have had five species come and go for 2020 already, and the fifth one is still active. They're reaching peak numbers right now. I call them the Cinco de Mayo or the 5th of May because that's often when they come out or the four flashers, and you have them in Mississippi also. We share a lot of the same species. Um, The snappy sinks that Libby was talking about are really fabulous, and I hope each listener can find their own little private spot to watch them. They will flash, depending on the temperature, very quickly once or twice every second. So it's pretty easy to see, and they're flying low. And they are absolutely breathtaking in uh, large numbers because they exhibit perfect synchrony. Um, They're different than the ones we have in the Smokies that are also called synchronous, but it's a totally different riddle. All right. Uh, We've got some calls to get to, so let's uh, start uh, by visiting with our friend Timothy calling in from Louisiana. Tim, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. I'd like to report that I've seen fireflies for about a month now. Okay. And these are in the, uh, I've got four acres of woods and no lights. I, I'm off the grid, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have a very nice dark woods to, for them to be in, you know. And But I'm very pleased to, you know, it's been years uh, that, since I've seen them in the regular area I did when I was a youth, you know. But I wish they'd take out the other lights that my neighbors have, but I'll tell you what. So, Timothy, remind us what part of Louisiana you're in. I'm a few minutes north of the same latitude as Jackson. I'm I'm in northeast Louisiana. All right. Okay. Okay, We have... Could I... um, Go ahead, Libby. I was just going to ask Timothy... Up in the, if he's seeing them in the tops of the trees or if he's seeing these low, is he seeing any synchrony? I've seen both. I've seen both. I've seen the top okay. of the tree ones first, and I've seen the lower ones more recently. All right, uh, Timothy, thanks Good. for the call. Uh, Lynn, you had a comment as well that you wanted to make. Okay. Um, it was interesting he called from Louisiana, even though he's fairly far north. Um, at the beginning of every year, there's a wonderful spotter just north of New Orleans in Covington, David Elder, who reports to me and to Libby every year when his snappy sinks begin. 
and it's interesting because his come a month, basically a month before they begin in Jackson. You can actually follow them as they emerge going north. And uh, and so this, this man that has the forest, and it sounds like he's got several different species, all Mississippians need to realize you have a lot of different species of fireflies, and each one will flash in its own pattern. But some will begin as early as March, and they will go all the way to frost. And each species comes and goes in a particular order. And uh, so a lot of people don't realize Mississippi still has plenty of species of fireflies because if you live in a well-lit subdivision or sprayed for mosquitoes heavily, you probably won't see many. So you still ha- you have to get to the sort of darker, wilder areas like parks and um, you know, places that are a little bit wild still, and they still have a lot of species. All right. Uh, another phone call to get to. Uh, it's uh, Sue calling in from Beaumont. Sue, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. I'd like to ask Libby a question about a hummingbird, if I may. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I have a, a, I have a mimosa tree in the backyard, and it's just loaded down with blooms. And I saw, I was looking out the window the other day, and I saw this, it looked like a black hummingbird, buzzing around the blooms and uh, at first I thought well at first I thought it was a butterfly but butterflies flutter and this you know how it wasn't a butterfly I soon realized it was a it was a hummingbird and it zipped from one flower to another zipped back and forth and it concentrated on three blooms there is there a black hummingbird out there in the world somewhere um we have a ruby-throated hummingbird but in in certain lights he's going to look black or dark gray and that's that's mine looked that way too, and they are on my mimosa right now, and uh, they they that's a really important source of nectar for them. So that's a good tree for them. And I think what you're seeing is a ruby-throated hummingbird. It's pretty much the only species that's going to be um, commonly seen in Mississippi this time of year. But he can look very black. Yeah. All right, Sue, we appreciate that call. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning on Creature Comforts, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, Dr. Major, have you seen any uh, fireflies out and about in, in your neck of the woods? Yes. Uh, I guess it was a month ago or so, the uh, treetop, Flashers were very evident. Uh, they they put on a light show for me. <clears throat> There's a little bit too much light in, in the subdivision I live in. However, if I cut all my lights off going out to the back, uh, they light up pretty well. I have seen a few of the uh, lower ones. They weren't synchronous, but certainly they're they're there. And uh, it's it's always amazing to watch them. Our guest today on Creature Comforts is Lynn Faust. We're talking about uh, fireflies. So, Lynn, if you would, uh, remind us how you first got interested in, in fireflies. Well, I called them lightning bugs, and probably most of you all did, too, all my life till I was almost 40. Uh, I came into it backwards, and it's a really long story that I don't think your your listeners want to hear. <laughs> but it, it, it was... Um, the synchronous species, which is different from yours, in the Smokies, no one seemed to know about it. So I became interested in them. They were in the yard of our cabin and that was in the Smokies. And that led to me working with research groups that came up to study the uh, 
the intermittent synchrony um, of that species. Yours is actually more impressive because it never stops. The Mississippi goes flash, 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 flash. Um, and so from that, working with different groups, I then set out to uh, just figure out how many species were in our yard, our farm, our area, and it just assumed a life of its own. And there was no there was no field guide for lightning bugs, and people really like them. It's one of the few species people don't try to kill, and um, and there was a real need because people want to know what they're seeing, and so that was thirty years ago, and it's kind of eaten up my life now. <laughs> but it's fun. It's a fun thing. <laughs> people don't get mad about lightning bugs, so. So uh, can we use the word firefly and lightning bug interchangeably? Are we talking about the same creature? You you really can. And I'm a little sad because lightning bug does seem to be going out of the common usage. And I, in fact, I use firefly more often because it's one less syllable, so I can say it quicker. <laughs> and I, I say the word so often, they are the same thing. Um, it's more of a regional difference. What did you call it when you were a child? Generally... More southern was lightning bug, more northern was firefly, but, uh, you know, that's not hard and fast. And that is changing now because they're kind of a popular insect. And a linguist even made a map several years ago showing who calls them fireflies and who calls them lightning bugs. It's an interesting map of the U.S. Uh, But either one, whatever you want to say works just fine. And so your field guide, I guess, would work like uh, other field guides where people, if they got a copy of it and uh, had uh, seen some fireflies, they could kind of narrow down which what type they're seeing. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit more about that, uh, your book. Okay. Hopefully. They actually are fairly tough. Um, that when you start out, people get discouraged sometimes. I have a flash chart in the very beginning of the book. Like you open the cover and there's a flash chart covering over 70 species, and it's just a graphic of how, and it's always the male you're seeing. You're seeing the male trying to attract the female, so it's his flash pattern. And um, and then once you kind of do that, I have each individual species, or almost 60, 70 species covered in detail, has their own species chapter. And you can read in detail about them. You can see pictures each one has six to 15 pictures of that particular bug and uh and so it's a fun thing and usually i suggest people to start out with the easy ones first and don't drive yourself nuts the first year trying to learn everything but just becoming more aware that's all you need to do the first year what do you have something flashing out there what time of year does it flash what time of night all of that helps narrow down what species it is and um, and some are big, some are little, some are real easy to see, and some are hard to see. In fact, Libby uh, got a state record. It flew into her hair, and it was a, <laughs> a, a firefly with a, no lantern, so you're never going to see it flash. It's a little bitty one, and she, it flew, I think, into her hair, so she sent it to me. She said, what is this? And um, and it was a state record, so she's very observant. She and Paul kind of know everything about nature, but they're all around us, but until you look, you really don't notice them. We're visiting on Creature Comforts with author Lynn Faust, talking about fireflies or lightning bugs, whichever you prefer, the same creature. Uh, we've got some callers on the line, so let's go to Mike, who is in Tupelo this morning. Go ahead, Mike. You're on the air with us. Good morning. 
Uh, great show again. I have a story from my childhood from a previous century <laughs> where we used to uh, catch lightning bugs in jars, of course, as, as kids in the neighborhood. But this one particular summer, we had also collected some little frogs and had a terrarium going. And so we would feed the frogs with lightning bugs in the dark, and the frogs would capture the lightning bugs, swallow them, and then light up with the lightning bugs inside of them. <laughs> <laughs> one wow. of those things that, uh, you know, just a random thing that happened, but it'd be a fun thing to do with children this time of year if you could find the frogs, which are getting harder to find as well. Well, let me throw in a caution there. Lightning bugs are bags of chemicals. They are particularly cardinalides. That means heart toxins. And they actually will kill a lot of reptiles, and particularly bearded dragons and exotic pets. And so I do try to discourage feeding lightning bugs to frogs and toads and lizards because you never know which ones are going to die. Some it just takes as little as one firefly, um, and it will send them basically into a heart attack. And uh, But it is an amazing thing. I've seen it before, what you're referring to, and I can't imagine discouraging little 10-year-old boys from doing that. But you <laughs> realize there's, there's, there's toxic chemicals involved. And the uh, same thing with birds. Most birds will not eat um, a lightning bug or bats. They'll try it once and they'll spit it out because of these heart toxins. So I don't want to rain on your parade. Don't feed them to your bearded dragon. <laughs> yeah. Right, uh... yeah, but the bearded dragon, it kills them dead just real fast. Yeah. All right, Mike, uh, thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We'll go ahead and uh, take another break. Uh, you're listening to Creature Comforts, and we're visiting throughout the hour with author Lynn Faust, and we're talking about fireflies or lightning bugs. If you want to report fireflies in your area, or if you have a pet question for Dr. Major, or other observations that you'd like to share with us, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 877 672-7464. You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, director, uh, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and our guest today is Lynn Faust. If you missed any of today's show, you can always subscribe to our podcast using your favorite podcasting app, or you can download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone. And if you want to join the conversation, the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 uh, earlier in the show, uh, Libby told us about an event coming up, and I think that we have some details on that from a new person online with us. It's Claire Graves. Claire, thanks for joining us. If you would, tell us about this event that you have coming up about fireflies. Hi, Kevin. Thanks so much for letting me come on the show. So the Craft Center is, like Libby said, allowing people to come out 
and take a look at the snappy sink fireflies that light up the area behind the craft center. So the event is this Friday, tomorrow, and then Saturday and Sunday nights. Folks are going to be asked to sign up for a 20-minute viewing time slot, and they can get tickets by going to the craft center's website or just by uh, Googling snappy sink fireflies craft center, and the event will show up. All right, so Claire, give us a little bit of background about your interest in fireflies. Absolutely. So I also got interested in the fireflies in the Smokies, and then thanks to Libby, learned that we had some synchronous fireflies here in Mississippi. And so began really looking into those, learning about those, and uh, found out that they were behind the craft center and have worked with the folks at the Natchez Trace Parkway to allow this event to happen. And really just want to share something that I love, with other people who I think might really enjoy it and get to enjoy this really neat Mississippi treasure that we have. All right, and you're saying, so it's the snappy sinks. Again, remind us of, of what their lighting pattern looks like. Mm-hmm. So like Lynn said, I also have Lynn's book. The guidebook has been very helpful to me in identifying these. And so these snappy sink fireflies uh, blink very quickly. They almost look like miniature Christmas lights uh, blinking in synchrony. And uh, a low to the ground, really fast flash pattern. Um, we've been noticing that in these colder nights, they've been flashing a little bit slower. And But now the temperatures are coming up and the flashing is starting to, to increase in rate as well. So there, uh, there's a huge population back behind the craft center at that part of the Natchez Trace. Really easy to see and really easy to get to. So it's a great place to come and view them for the first time. All right, Claire Graves, thanks for joining us this morning, telling us about the the event coming up at the Mississippi Craft Center. Lynn, uh, does the temperature uh, affect how uh, quickly the lightning bugs will will flash? Yes, Claire is absolutely correct. Um, The colder it is, the slower they flash. They'll maintain their same pattern and their same synchrony. But when it gets hot, when it approaches, if you get a night where it's 80, it's almost like a strobe show. But in the in the 60s or even the 50s, it's more like once a second. Um, and this is, uh, I want to point out, Mississippi really, they're like the epicenter. They're like where the snappy sinks, <clears throat> God put them there originally and they spread out from there. We, we have the same species up here, but not in the numbers that I've seen in Mississippi. And it's so breathtaking. They were recently featured on uh, BBC production. Uh, Let's see, Seven Worlds, One Planet, and it's the um, North America segment. So if they can tune in, get hold of that somehow on, you know, on all these smart TVs, you'll you'll kind of see what it looks like. And it was so good that the British film crews flew all the way to Mississippi, spent a month here, and filmed it. So it's it's really fantastic to see. And so I do hope your readers. Um, Either go to the event this weekend, which sounds wonderful and clears really coordinated a lot of things, or look in your own woodlots close by because they are out now. And as Libby said earlier, they're not quite to the Oxford level. They'll be up there in about 10 days or two weeks. Yeah, so that's, they kind of move north. Definitely something to look for. The BBC, those nature programs that they do are really, really breathtaking. So glad to see that they included uh, North America and specifically Mississippi uh, in one of those shows. Uh, We've got another caller to get to, and it is Arthur from Jackson. Good morning, Arthur. You're on the air with us. Morning. Yes, I'm 
curious. I hang out at the Delta a lot near Belfoma, and I have not seen a firefly up there in years. And I just wonder if it's not from all the um, the crop dusting and spraying that's going on up there. Yeah, yeah, that Arthur, makes an that's, impact. that's that's yeah. an area of the state that we don't have very many reports from. Right, so, and although there's certain areas where they're still in the delta, but again, the spraying—you know—they are an insect; they're a beetle. And so, if agricultural pests are treated, often the fireflies die as a byproduct. So it's sort of sad. Um, but they should be in limited areas, maybe that aren't as sprayed. Yeah. At okay. one time, it probably was very, very rich there, like richer than anywhere. Right. I just don't see them like we used to. All right, Arthur, yeah. uh, thanks yeah. for your call. All right, thank you. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Let's go to Susan. Susan's been holding for us. Susan, we appreciate you holding. You're on the air now, so go ahead. Have a special bird feeder that I've had built years ago. I bought one like this for my daddy, and I've had somebody copy it. You put it on a PVC pole, you know, it fits down over it so the squirrels can't climb up. What mm. I want to know is what color I should paint it. Libby, any thoughts? <clears throat> um. I have heard that it's a good idea to paint it white so that it won't absorb too much heat. But I don't think that it matters tremendously. I've got a white one and I've got one that is wood. And I probably need one of yours because I've been watching a chipmunk. I've got five feeders I can see right here. And he has learned to jump from each one and run the birds off. So the chipmunk (laughs) is creating havoc this morning. But um, So maybe I need one of your kind. Well, I have, have to, to get somebody email. that knows yeah. how to take pictures, and we'll send it to you, but I don't know how to do that. But years ago, I bought it from my daddy, and we've had it all this time, but the roof started rotting. So I took it down to copy it and finally found somebody to do that, and it is wonderful. But like I said, yeah, well, the squirrels, you well, put so the PVC pole I- in the ground, uh-huh. And they can't climb up. All right. That's great. And it painted a light color and then it seed. won't absorb too much heat and that will that will that'll help keep the bird seed a little better and won't be so hot for the birds. All right. White was my first choice, but I didn't know if that was a good color for the birds, so thank you. <laughs> All right, Susan, thanks for the call. And if you do get a chance to snap a picture of that, uh, just send it to us at animals at mpbonline.org. So uh, Lynn Faust is our guest uh, talking today about fireflies. Uh, Lynn, what what are they trying to communicate when the males uh, are flashing on and off? Well, it's all about sex. And the males are trying to look like the biggest and prettiest and the flashiest and hoping that a female will respond. Usually the females generally are down on the ground kind of hidden, and if they see a male that strikes their fancy flying above them, they will respond with a little single flash back. And he's got great big eyes. The males have bigger eyes than the females, so he sees that flash and will land on the ground and hopefully find her. And so it is a mating. It's like a Morse code of, of light. And uh, that way they can identify their own species because each species has their own pattern. 
they don't want to mate with the wrong one. And there is also a predatory firefly out there that copies everyone else's flashes. So you can't just land at any little flash thinking you're going to find love. Sometimes you'll land in the jaws of one of the predatory predatory fireflies. So it's it's not as simple as it seems out there. They have to be uh, really on alert and get the exact right pattern or they get eaten. So if we would say the <laughs> communication is maybe dating, are the synchronous fireflies then, is that like group dating? You know, no one really knows why certain species um, go into the synchrony. I guess it is group dating, and they do gather. They're in a large area, but they are all doing the same thing. And it it must really inspire the female. The particular snappies, very little is known about how the females respond because the males are flashing so often it's hard for her to answer back in the dark period. In the Smokies, those synchronous ones have six seconds of dark between their flash trains, and that is when the female answers. Otherwise, they'd never see her because there's so many of them flashing. But the snappy sinks of Mississippi are a little bit different, and it is actually still a mystery of where, where and when that female answers and how they find her. But she's on the ground, we think. And, um, yeah, so it's it's all a trick. We saw, Lynn, we saw a pair last night. We saw a pair last night on the ground. Oh, good. And they were Did you both get blinking together, so we assumed either he they were mating or he was getting eaten. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> one or the other. It's kind of <laughs> gruesome when you think about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So but, let me... but it is all about mating so that next year we'll have more. They mate, lay eggs, have larvae, and then next year the next generation will come out. So. Uh, Libby, you've kind of started a citizen science project in uh, relating to fireflies, asking uh, folks who listen to Creature Comforts to, uh, you know, to let you know what they're seeing and where they're seeing. Uh, issue, if you would, maybe make that call again, and, and how have you been uh, getting responses from our listeners? Oh, it's been wonderful, Kevin. We've heard from so many callers and uh, so that we have a good idea of where the um, call all the counties of Mississippi yet, but we have a good many. And uh, we got a new one a couple of days ago from uh, a friend of Joe McGee. So I would love for you guys to get outside and look. You need to go. I say really after nine o'clock is the best time to go after nine o'clock in the woods without a lot of bug spray and lights and, um, you know, just take your time and look. And I haven't had very bad trouble with mosquitoes the last three nights. It's been a, a good trips out. So hopefully you won't be eaten up with mosquitoes. And uh, just let me know where you find them and we'll, we'll keep the map going. And uh, if oh. you do have them, I would say... The way to protect that place is, number one, you know, keep lights out of the area as much as possible and don't use spray and don't disturb the leaf litter there overly much. I know sometimes you have to, but uh, they live most of the year. They are a little terrestrial insect larva that goes around in the soil and eats smaller things than them. You know, any, any small little insects they eat and then they emerge here once a year species we think Lynn's taught me they live for two years underground 
and then they come up. Well, one, and it's probably you know one it's in a, Mississippi. Yeah. Okay. So it, when but once they emerge, of course they're they've got to find that mate, and they find a mate and lay their eggs back in the leaf litter, that which is just the top layer of just under the top layer of leaves, which would be right at the top of the soil. So you don't want to disturb that a lot. Don't do a lot of mowing in the area and don't rake up the leaves. And you're colony. But the adults die. Well, they die whether they've made or not. So that's why it's important that you give them optimum opportunities, a lot of dark and undisturbed time so that they can mate and lay those eggs again and you'll get to watch them this is well this is the sixth year that we've seen them in um in our on our property so they you know hopefully they'll stay for years and years all right it's uh, time for one final break this hour we're talking through the hour with our guest lynn faust author of the book fireflies glowworms and lightning bugs and we'll be back to wrap up creature comforts after this so stay tuned Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. And our guest today is Lynn Faust. We've been talking about fireflies throughout the hour. Uh, Lynn, we talk about how active the, the fireflies are at night. What do they do during the day? Well, they mainly rest in cool, shady spots, under leaves or in the tree bark. Some of them in the leaf litter, that all-important leaf litter that Libby was talking about. Um I wanted to make sure your listeners know about a newly described Mississippi firefly. Okay. Uh, it was just described to science last year, and it's called the cypress firefly. And it so far has only been found in cypress swamps. We found them in one swamp in Indiana also. But Mississippi seems to be the hotbed of the cypress firefly. And it's interesting, it has what we believe to be the most complex flash pattern on Earth so far. We haven't found one with a more complicated flash pattern. And I've seen them along the Natchez Trace in, in Cypress Swamp there, all the way up to Waldoxy State Park, all the way up through West Tennessee, and up almost to Indianapolis. And... uh so it's an exciting thing. So if any of your listeners have a cypress swamp, I know most of them are protected and in state parks and things, which is great. Um, but tell them to be on the lookout in the next few weeks. It will go five quick flashes, then a swooping long glow. So I won't go into any more detail on that. It's, uh, but it's kind of exciting. And, again, it was discovered in Mississippi. All right. Um, I'm proud of it. One uh, term in your book that we've not talked about, and that is a glowworm. So what is a glowworm? Well, it depends on where you are in the world when you call it that glowworm. Uh, in, in Europe, a lot of their fireflies don't flash and don't even fly. And so they just lay on the ground and glow. So they call most all of their fireflies glowworms. Over here, a glowworm is usually the baby or the larvae of the firefly because they glow on the ground. Libby was talking about how important the leaf litter is, 
and they will periodically glow. So that's what we call glowworms, sort of the baby fireflies. Then there are some of the females of some of the species do not fly, and they are called glowworms. So it's all confusing. It depends on what you're talking about. But basically anything that lays on the ground and doesn't fly, but it glows, becomes a glowworm. So, and, uh, go ahead. No, that's, I'll get into too much detail. That's enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, we talked about, you know, pesticides being something that uh, might be a, 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 a harm on a firefly population. Uh, what about light pollution? And, and do they need, I mean, if there's a lot of light around, they will not light up. Is that correct? Well, correct. It, it's very sad if you think about it. If you've got a bunch of floodlights burning all night long, a little tiny male firefly the size of your pinky fingernail cannot compete with a floodlight, and the females of his species will simply never see him. They'll kind of be blinded by the light, just like if you stared up at the light. And so they will drift away and eventually disappear from areas that are lit all night because they require the darkness to find one another. And uh, so, yeah, light pollution is, is a huge problem worldwide, not just here, but everywhere. And you've all probably seen the map of the world at night, how lit up it is now. And these uh, insects have evolved counting on dark, and suddenly dark is, is not there. But you combine that with pesticides, and, you know, they'll disappear quickly. If you all right. both of those things working against them. We've got another caller on the line. It's our friend Kathleen calling in from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. You're on the air with us. Oh, I love this show. Listen, there was a time five years ago, and I happened to be coming from downstairs to the ground floor, and I looked out, and my porch light had burnt out a couple weeks back, and I thought somebody was out in the woods with a flashlight. Well, when I looked and stayed there, all the fireflies, I'm talking a section of a gully that was, 50, 60 feet along and about 20, 25 feet across. And I noticed them like an oval, and they started climbing up all the little grasses and reeds in unison and flashing like a circle. It would come around and around, and then they would all, when they got to the top, they all flashed on and off at once in this oval. Then it floated, the middle of the oval, all these fireflies just floated up. And it was like a cloud, three feet above the ground. And I stayed and watched that like a kid till I was past my bedtime. And then a light shower came, and it was just momentary, but it was enough. You saw them all go down to the ground in unison. Haven't seen them again. I think they moved, but it was a sight to behold. I'll never forget it. I think it's one of the things, uh, a mystery or a pleasure given from above, but... It was spectacular. And I just thought if your listeners heard that, please don't spray chemicals. And if you have a cat, don't put the cat litter out in the woods because that is very, very toxic. But enjoy enjoy them while they're here. All right, uh, Kathleen, always wow. good to hear from you. Thanks, Wait, sir. Where Where is Kathleen's location? I wish I'd seen what you're describing. That sounds beautiful. Uh, by the Wait. Pike County line. Yes, it's Osaka. It's one of the last uh, cities uh, in Mississippi before you cross over to Louisiana, I believe. Okay, okay. Well, I hope you see it again and get a picture of it. Lynn, I saw a similar kind of a thing 
that I'm pretty sure were Big Dippers. And they mm-hmm. floated up, Kathleen. It was like that. They just floated up. And then they, it was, and it was almost raining then too. And I, so maybe it has to do with the humidity. And then they just floated back down. And it was the weirdest thing. But that's, we watched it for just a few minutes. And I've not seen it again in my yard either. But I thought that it was the, the dippers, the big dippers. Does that make sense? It, it could have been, again, Libby, at your place, you probably have about 15 different species. And yeah. so what Kathleen saw and what you saw might be a once-a-year occurrence for one night. And um, I witnessed a similar thing here at our house with a different species last week. It happens one night, and then you don't see it again. You get the maximum numbers, and they do interesting things, and then it's gone. But you'll remember it always that you saw this. So um, because their lives are so short-lived, everything happens in just a few days. All right. Then we're going to have to hold it there. We're out of time. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Fun and provided in part by listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash creature comforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Liz Gill. So for Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest Lynn Faust, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio.